Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by Three Lions Pub, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. From the NWSL, MLS, U.S. national teams, and all the way to the youth levels. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Very good day to you, Simon Provan. Are you still relishing in a United States victory from last night, Well, sir? of course. We don't get to see the U.S. lift a trophy often. So regardless of uh, how we may feel about the tournament as a whole, U.S. gets to lift a trophy, and that's always a thing to hey, celebrate. a win is a win. I don't care if it's at the U10 level or if it's at the senior level. Anytime the United States does something on an international level, it must be celebrated. For now, at least. Absolutely. Until we assert ourselves at a a higher dominance, I guess. But uh, we are excited to have all of you here with us today. Uh, We actually have some news for you. Uh, We kind of teased it on uh, social media last week as well, too. Um, so basically what's happening, Simon, is uh, we're, we're done. We're, we're shutting it, it pulling down. Pulling the plug. Pulling the plug. Yeah. Uh, we're shutting it down, unfortunately, to up front. Uh, we'll be no more after today. Uh, we have uh, a lot of different things going on in both of our lives, professionally, personally. And uh, we decided, unfortunately, we can't give you guys the show that we know you as the listeners deserve consistently. And that's just not fair to you guys. And in general, not fair to either of us, Simon, as well, too, because we're all over the place right now, unfortunately. So um, it's been a lot of fun, but we're going to celebrate. We're not. This isn't going to be a, a pity fest. We're not going to you know, sit here and talk about the, the glory days. We're going to have on some great guests. We're going to just uh, have a party basically today, Simon, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the way you celebrate the, the work that has happened here at Two Up Front. And, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my favorite lines from Dr. Seuss, I believe it is, is... Uh, don't be, don't cry because it's over. Be happy because it happened. Exactly. Something I'm paraphrasing Very, a little bit there, I, but, but that's I think what that's it, pretty close to what it was. And that's exactly what we're going to, to do today as well, too. So uh, we are going to have a couple of different guests on, and we actually have our first guest with us as well today, too. Uh, we really don't have a, a true tried agenda today, Simon. Whatever comes out, comes out. So, I mean, what are you going to do? It's the last show, so I might as well just pop the champagne and just have fun, Yeah, have some, have some great friends of the show on. Exactly. And no greater friend than Mr. Soccer himself, Peter Wilt, who joins us on the shop Footsell.com, call in line now. A very good day to you, Mr. Wilt. Welcome back to Two Up Front, sir. Thank you, Baxter, and thank you, Simon, and congratulations on a great run. And I think you are living uh, the entertainment uh, motto of always leaving them wanting more. <laughs> I so, think so. Uh, well done. 
Thank well, you. Thanks, thanks, Peter. We appreciate that, Peter. And honestly, uh, you have been a, an integral uh, part of our success as well, too. You've been a, a great guest on our show in the past and uh, really helped us uh, shape what Two Up Front has been as well, too. So uh, from us to you, a very big thank you for that as well. My pleasure. My pleasure. So what's going on in the soccer world today? I guess you <laughs> heard you talking about the Gold Cup, and you're right. Winning any trophy, holding any trophy up is a good thing. And I tell you what, when it's as big as the Gold Cup, it's a good thing. And I don't mean big by its importance. <laughs> I mean big by its actual size. The size That's of the actual huge. cup. Yep, exactly. Man, it's it's got to be the biggest trophy. Have you ever been trophy. in the U.S.? It is. Have you ever been in the U.S. soccer office, uh, the soccer house in Chicago? They've got two or three of these things around the office. And they're like these old-school hotel ashtrays where <laughs> you know, they're so big, they just keep them on the ground so they don't break a shelf or anything. Wow. And you walk by them, you think, oh, it looks like an ashtray. But no, it's actually the gold cup. <laughs> the vase <laughs> stick, the stick some flowers in it or a small tree or something as well, too. I mean, <laughs> well, I, 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 probably uh, accurate. I, I had heard that J.K. Rowling was actually going to write that into the Harry Potter series as what the Giants drank out of. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense, honestly. It's certainly big enough for it. Between that and the, I feel like the was it the Champions League Cup as well too that they have. Or the, it's not even a champ. It's not a cup. It's just a big trophy. But uh, yeah, those are there's some great hardware out there to be won. But uh, we were having a good discussion off air, Peter, before we jumped on about uh, player of the tournament, uh, Golden Glove winner Andre Blake won, uh, despite only playing a couple of minutes last night before unceremonial. Honestly, did he break his hand? I didn't, think was, didn't thankfully, he didn't it. break it, but seven stitches. Seven stitches, yeah. 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 I mean, you could tell that he was in a lot of pain. Yep. But uh, we were more so discussing, Peter, the uh, man of the tournament, in a sense, the MVP, as some people might call it, of Michael Bradley, apparently, um, which many folks are a little surprised about because he's only played in three games. He wasn't a part of the original roster. And yeah. you made some good points off the air as well, too, so I'll kind of let you rehash those out again, uh, Peter, for well, what your thoughts were. <laughs> Well, sure, and I'm the biggest Michael Bradley fan there is out there, and I think he, he did have a, a great half a tournament. <laughs> right. It was half a tournament, not a full tournament. And, and, and uh, a fellow midfielder on the U.S. team arguably uh, performed better, and that's uh, Darlington Nappy. So, you know, the, these awards, I, I'm not sure how they always come up with them, but personally I would have uh, given it to, to Andre Blake. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Nothing wrong with giving the Golden Glove and the Golden Ball to the same player. And I think Andre we've seen Blake that before, was, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, for fans who've watched him in MLS, we know his talents. But, but mm-hmm. for those who don't know, know much about Blake, simply because he comes from Jamaica, it was, it was an eye-opener, especially uh, for that Mexican national team. I agree, and that, that's the big thing, too. I've always been a big fan of what Jamaica's national team has done, some of their really young, talented forwards, and in general, Andre Blake as well, too. And mm-hmm. you, you really hope the best for those guys. Because, I mean, Jamaica is not a very big island. The, the chances of playing soccer for your national team and even professionally probably aren't very high coming out of Jamaica. But these guys have really fought hard. And as we, I would like to say, Andre Blake is probably one of the best younger goalkeepers in the game of soccer right now. I'd love to see what he would do with the proper training at uh, you know a Premier League club or a La Liga club or something. I think he would really, really excel eventually in his career. Oh, now, 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 now. You can get, as a goalkeeper, you can get just as good as possible in MLS as you can in Europe. Uh, you know, get that Euro snobbery coming out of you again, Baxter. Come on. <laughs> I know. I'm MLS sorry. I'm showing my great I'm goalkeepers. Showing it. But um, I, I digress. 
<laughs> I know, and I completely agree with that. Obviously, MLS has produced a lot of really great goalkeepers over the years and still continues to do that as well, too. But, I mean, I feel like that still is the narrative, unfortunately, for, for certain goalkeepers or certain players in general. Well, look, you look at last night's game. You had two goalkeepers who did develop an MLS. Yep. You know, forget Tim Howard started with the Metro Stars before yep. he went over to Manchester United and eventually Everton. But his developmental years were... In Major League Soccer. Yeah, exactly. And that's the big part about it as well, too. I mean, some of the the best goalkeepers, uh, the homegrown talents that we've seen really have, you know, really exploded over the last, you know, five to ten years at the goalkeeper position. Uh, so, Peter, question for you with the Gold Cup. Were there any players that you saw uh, from any team that would be a good fit for MLS teams or at least uh, to call them up and give them a trial? You know, there always are. Um uh, Honduras has this midfielder, uh, Jorge Claros, that I like a lot. Uh, we actually tried to sign him in uh, Indy 11 a few years back, and he was holding out for an MLS contract. I think he ended up getting a cup of coffee with Kansas City, but I saw him again, and I, I, I think he'd be a good fit. It, it's I love the Gold Cup for that reason. There's always these mm-hmm. players that maybe are beneath the radar uh, and deserve a, a spot at a higher level. Jamaica actually last night, uh, one of their starting players, uh, Omar Gordon, uh, played for me last year with, with Indy 11. Actually, he had a hard time getting out of the field because our forwards, uh, Eamon Zahed and Justin Brown were doing so well. They are keeping him on the bench, and now here he is in the Gold Cup final. And on Jamaica's bench was an Indy 11 forward from the previous year, Jermaine Johnson. Mm-hmm. So there is some really good talent in these um, all our countries in CONCACAF. It's, it's kind of fun to, to see them play. And it, it reminds me that I've always had this absurd idea that will never be implemented, but I'll mention it anyways, that for the World Cup, instead of having 32 qualifying nations, have 31 qualifying nations, and then you fill the 32nd spot with a hybrid all-star team of the best players from the nations that did not qualify. That would be fascinating to see in a number of regards. First of all, we'd get some great players into the World Cup who otherwise have no chance. I mean, I think Ryan Giggs is one of the, you know, George sure. Williams, yeah. maybe another example of these guys. It'd also be kind of fascinating to see how an all-star team that really hasn't trained or played many games together, because they probably only have a month or two of, uh, if that, of, of, of training together, uh, to come together and see how they would do. You could probably put a phenomenally talented a group of individuals together, but if they could play as a true team and have any level of success hmm. in the world stage is another question. Almost like a, a UN or something, I guess, is what you'd kind of have to call the team, like the United Nations team or something, I guess, to, to symbolize the, the you know some sort of a body, unless you just call it the World Cup All-Stars, but even then, you know. Well, I, well one thing's for sure with the way that uh, you know more teams are going to be added to the World Cup. Peter, we may get to a point where we can have five All-Star teams in the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's another subject. I was having that conversation um, with someone uh, the other night. It was actually at the NISA board meeting the other day, uh, or you know, afterwards we were having this conversation. Do you stop at 32, like I think most American soccer fans want, uh, or do you expand it to you know, 48, 64, whatever it is, which I'm really afraid is going to happen. Uh, because when you just look at, you know, if you want to say FIFA is a democracy of sorts, um, you know, from a pure economic standpoint, 
And if every country gets to vote, do you want it? And your vote, you get one vote, you have 200 some nations. Yeah, they're going to vote for more teams, more countries to be involved. I'm afraid it's going to happen. And obviously what happens is it dilutes the qualifying sure. process. Right. Uh, then at that point, everyone knows Mexico and the U.S. are guaranteed to get in. Who cares about the hex? It's, it's, it's going to, you know, they're, they're going to get in. Uh, but another way to look at this is the NCAA uh, March Madness. Remember, you guys are too young, but I think it used to be 16 teams when I was a kid. And then when it expanded to 24 or 32, we thought, oh, that's crazy. No, it's diluting <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> and now, obviously, it's 68, I think. You got yes, the four yeah. team. And it's the greatest uh, spectacle of playoffs in the world. Uh, well, except for the World Cup. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you use that as a guide and recognize that by expanding it, you know what, yeah, it's not going to be as interesting or fun for American fans or Mexican fans, but uh, for small Caribbean nations or, you know, a lot of third world countries in Africa mm-hmm. or Asia or South America that never had a whiff of the World Cup, now all of a sudden qualifying becomes pretty exciting. And um, do qualify, you know, they get three games on the world stage and maybe you get an upset here or there, just like in uh, March Madness, you get that. Exactly. So it, it, it depends on your perspective. If, if it does happen, I'll personally be disappointed, but I'll recognize that there may be a greater good that's being served. Exactly. And I, I do think as well, too, with that being said, you know, sometimes what you see in the World Cup or even March Madness, you see those, you know, those younger players or those freshmen or sophomores then that go out and have a really good stretch of games, regardless of how well their team does. And then they get those, you know, those bigger contracts for professional teams or in general, they just their draft stock goes up as well, too. So uh, bigger or small yeah. schools, I mean, if you can perform at the at the international stage for even, you know, a minimum of three games, you're you're only helping yourself in all honesty as well. So uh, I, I definitely yeah, you understand. sport at all levels. And I think yes. that would, well, I was going to say that would be the motivation to do it for FIFA, but the motivation for FIFA is always money. So yes, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Money, money, money. Exactly. Well, Peter, we have to let you run, unfortunately, but uh, we wanted to open the floor if you had any other final comments or anything you wanted to throw our way before we let you run, sir. Please feel Oh, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited uh, uh, for you guys and your future. It's going to be great. Uh, thanks for having me be a small part of it. Uh, and, uh, Congratulations on all your success. Well, Peter, you are our first guest on our relaunch of Two Up Front. Mm-hmm. As Baxter had said, you played a critical role in, in helping grow to what we've become. So once again, thanks for your time and thanks for being with us. And uh, I still owe you that lunch, so we'll make sure we set that up. Looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. All right, there you go. Thank you so much, Peter. Peter Wilt on the shopfootsell.com. Call in line. Taking off. We are going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more guests. Who will be the next mystery guest through the door? We'll find out shortly after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub.
Back here on Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Proban. Wrapping up the final edition of Two Up Front. Uh, we still have a lot more to get to, a lot more mystery guests to walk through our phone line as well, too. Uh, we just heard from Mr. Soccer himself, Peter Wilt. It's great to, great to hear from him. Um, so he can he can add uh, helping launch successful radio programs to his uh, his resume as well, too, Simon, I guess, with right. everything <laughs> since you mentioned there, too, with him helping uh, with our relaunch uh, back uh, about a year, year and a half ago now, I guess. Yes, so uh, great friend of the show, Peter Wilt, always full of uh, insight and uh, hard-hitting uh, facts and thoughts as well, too. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, Simon, you'll probably remember this. Uh, back last fall, uh, we had a guest on from the Boston Breakers, uh, and she heckled me for three-fourths of the interview, yeah, basically. Yeah. I enjoyed um, that. I lot. know you did, uh, and a lot of the listeners enjoyed it as well, too, um, and She's filled in a couple of times for you as a co-host and been a guest on as well, too. Uh, and it is, and she's back with us again, finally. Uh, it's Rachel Wood. So welcome back, Rachel, on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. How are you today, Rach? I am great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you back uh, and uh, to kind of put a bow on everything as well, too. That started with you heckling me about my fandom of the Houston Dash. But we are, uh, we're thrilled to have you back. I was going to say, it always starts with a heckle, and then I walk into the heart of so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, Rachel, we, uh, we know that uh, life has obviously taken you all over the place the last uh, year, basically, from your time with the Breakers to now doing some coaching. Uh, but from what I've heard from conversations with you, you have a really exciting opportunity coming up in a couple of days, apparently. You're going out to California for uh, some fun things. What are you doing out there? I am. So, yeah, so I'm going out to California, one, because it's where I'm from, so I get to see mom and dad. Um, and any excuse that I have to uh, to bring me back home makes them happy. So I'm going to go visit mom and dad. But I'm going out there for the two Tournament of Nation games, and um, I get to watch and sort of shadow Julie Saudi and watch from the broadcast while, uh, while the USA takes on Brazil and Japan. That is absolutely phenomenal. I am super jealous in all yeah. honesty. Are you are you nervous? Are you are they gonna give you a broadcast headset? How is this gonna work? Do I need to start like tweeting out about like how terrible of a commentator you are or like what do I need to do here? Um, if you could tweet out how great I am, that would be I think probably more <laughs> Okay more that might helpful. be more helpful. And and I would I would appreciate that more, yes. Uh if you don't mind. Well um, uh, uh, Rachel yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I really have no idea what's in store. Um, I have been fortunate enough to shadow Brad Feldman and Paul Mariner at the Reds game, so I have a little bit of experience um, in in the actual broadcasting booth, but I have no idea what's in store, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm just you know really ready to learn and, and to sort of take the next step um, in my career. All right, well, I'm going to put you to the test, Rachel. All right, let's do it. Just for, people, for people listening, I, I did not uh, prep Rachel on this at all. So <laughs> give us your preview for the U.S. women's team taking on Australia uh, today, actually, at yep, uh, tonight. 10 o'clock Eastern. The, yeah, this evening. Should I give you the, the tease? Yes, give us the yep. tease. Why, oh, why, should I, all right. why should I, Joe, the viewer, tune into tonight's game? So tonight from CenturyLink Field, the U.S. Women's <laughs> National Team takes on Australia. You'll get the chance to see a lot of NWSL superstars, and you'll get a chance to see some new faces in from the NWSL, some young faces who will be um, debuting for the Women's National Team. And I think it's a great chance to see the U.S. take on a team with you know, a lot of great athletes and players and, and really give them some good competition. How do you Stay think – 
Whatever. <laughs> at 10 p.m. <laughs> Eastern idea. time. I like it. That, no, that, that was, was pretty good. good. That was, that was very good. good. Um, just a, a follow-up to that from an NWSL perspective. How, how good of a tournament do you think Sam Kerr is going to have based off of her NWSL recent just tearing up the league? She can't stop scoring. I, it's, I mean, it's the most incredible thing. She cannot stop scoring. And I think it's, it's so funny. What I, the thing that I've noticed most is that um, she's, what, 5'3"? And she can't stop scoring with her head. I mean, she is, you know, she scores with her feet. She scores with her head. She scores on breakaways. She scores on crosses. It's like, you know, she's, she's just on fire and she can't stop. And so I'm really excited to be able to see her play and, and you know, to sort of take on, a whole back line of NWSL All-Stars, if you will. Yeah, speaking uh, speaking of NWSL, I mean, Sky Blue as a whole has been a, tr- a very exciting team to watch this Absolutely. year. I think they've surprised a ton of people. Um, and Sam Kerr, of Absolutely. course, leading the way. But then you got players like Sarah Killing on that team as well that have just uh, – it's been phenomenal. It's been fun watching them. Um, Absolutely. I guess the silly question is any any insight into that? Is it really just a matter of they needed this that last year to really gel together, and now they're that's the main reason they're playing well? Or what is the magic about Sky Blue this year? Well, I think it's two things. I think one, having last year having a chance to be able to play together and sort of get the chemistry on the field. But um, I know personally from having friends on that team um, and from just being around them, their chemistry off the field is. Fantastic. I think Christy Holly has done a tremendous job there and sort of really building, building a team and building people and not just building soccer players. And I think that shows on the field, you know, when they're down three and four zero, they come back to tie at four, four, you know, right. I mean, they, yeah. they know that they can believe, they can believe in each other and they can count on each other. And that, I feel that happens, you know, on the training pitch that happens in the locker room that happens off the field behind the scenes. And I think that's, that's the result you get when you really focus on, on culture and not just a playing strategy. Yeah, I would agree with that as well, too. I mean, Sky Blue has just been this revolution, I feel like, within NWSL. And we mentioned you know, this a couple of weeks ago when we did two up front. That it's not really a, the sexy thing right now to have Sky Blue FC be one of the better teams. And honestly, there might have been a little bit of pushback from the league initially being like, well, it's not Portland or it's not Seattle or it's not Chicago. Let's get this team from New Jersey out of here. But I think uh, a lot of people right. are really starting to, to be like, oh, they're actually a good team. This isn't like a little flash in the pan. Sam Kerr is ridiculous, and Sarah Killian and Kelly O'Hara and, you know, Kaylin Sheridan. Like, you can go down the list. This team is just loaded with great, uh, young, exciting players. Uh, and they're just, I think they're changing NWSL for the better, honestly. Absolutely. And I think that's what people love so much about sports. You know, it's it's the camaraderie and, and the teamwork. And, you know, even if you don't have the superstars or a sort of a star-studded lineup on paper, if you will, you know, it. All you need is, you know, a good coach and, and people to really buy into the system to do really incredible things. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here with Sky Blue. And, you know, I think, again, watching these players and watching them play for the last two or three years, they're developing and they're getting better as players, as well as you can see they're really starting to sort of mold the culture there at, at Sky Blue FC. And, and sort of the marriage of those two is creating their sort of Cinderella season, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think any... Uh... Anytime any of these other teams are doing well, it bodes well yes. for the league. Uh, because you, you don't want it to be a top-heavy league when it's all said and done, especially when you only have 10 teams right now and you're, and you're looking to expand. Exactly. Uh, well, Rachel, I, I know uh, time is running short for you, so I know we, we do have to let you go here soon, but I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for that first day of heckling Baxter and the relationship <laughs> it has caused us to build with each other. <laughs> 
So thanks for being a great friend <laughs> yes, of the show. I, I have appreciated it, and I have loved every minute of it. So thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of something so great. Well, we appreciate that as well, too, Rachel. Thank you so much for all of your help and contributions to the show, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best in your uh, future endeavors as well, too. So go have fun uh, coaching and stay warm out there. It sounds a little cold and windy. Thanks, guys. Yeah, the sun is just peeking out, so I'm going to go put some sunscreen on and get back to all these little raw grass. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Rachel. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Have a great final show. Will do. Thank you much. There goes Rachel Wood on the shopfootsall.com call-in line as she uh, concludes her time with us here on the program. Great to hear from her. We are going to go to another break when we come back. Who will be next to the door, Simon Provan? We have no idea. Maybe maybe Don Garber will be here. Wow. Don Garber. I don't know. Well, there we go. We just lost what? all the Detroit City Shoot. fans. Uh, They're well, gone. Well, when did they ever like us anyway? All right. We'll be back with more after we figure out how to live stream. Oh, wait. We don't believe in live streaming. Anyway, we'll be back. Sorry, Detroit. Anyway, back after this. Two up front. Simon Provan. We are doing our final Two Up Front broadcast. If you missed any of our long extended history, Simon just told me this is episode 119. So if you missed any of the first 118 shows, uh, you can go and find it on iTunes. We're on Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio. We are all over the place where you can find your favorite podcasts and uh, just search for two, the number two, two up front, uh, just two up front or two up front soccer. Uh, we'll be, we'll be under there. Awesome podcasts that feature two people that kind of know something about soccer. <laughs> if you have enough room for that in the uh, Google search or whatever, uh, we should pop up in there as well too. Uh, before we get to our next guest, uh, we want to bring back a segment that we did, Simon, uh, for, for quite a long time uh, during our uh, show's history. Uh, I'll let you introduce it since I know you were a huge fan of this segment. Yeah, so this is the fifth. 50-50. If you know anything about soccer, you know there are 50-50 balls, which means two players have the basically an equal chance at going mm-hmm. at a ball. Uh, a game of soccer is 90 minutes long. Of course, the majority of you listening, maybe all of you listening, know that. Hopefully. Uh, so we do it in that spirit. Instead of doing a 90-minute segment, which would be way too long, we do a 90-second <laughs> segment in which we each get 45 seconds to... Uh, Spew our belief of something. Yes, yep, exactly. So what are we spewing about today? So today we are talking about whether or not it's, how do we state this? Whether or not it's good for CONCACAF, for the Gold Cup, to uh, feature a team other than Mexico in the final, basically. Mm, So, of course, last night was USA taking on Jamaica. Jamaica had beat Mexico Mm -hmm. in uh, in the semifinal. And that was one of the things that I saw online all over the place is the, these debates about, you know, for the Gold Cup, it loses its luster if Jamaica's in there and not Mexico. And other people saying, no, hmm. no, it's actually it's better for the region if Jamaica's in there. And hmm. blah, 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 blah. I don't want to throw all too much out All over the place. There. All over the place. So that's what we're debating today. That's our 50-50. I like it. Well, Simon, you're welcome to lead off if you'd like. I can give you uh, 45 seconds on the clock if you would like to run with it. 
So let me know when you are ready to I go. Am. I'm ready. All right. And it's good for CONCACAF. Just come right out and say it. It's, it's great for CONCACAF to have uh, a team other than Mexico. It'd be great for a team other than the United States as well in the, in the final. This region needs to grow. And it, ultimately, that's what we're looking at is for Mexico or U.S. to lose and not be in the final. Yeah, it's disappointing for their fans. And it may be disappointing revenue-wise for CONCACAF. But the fact that we're seeing smaller nations become better at their soccer, at the soccer, uh, this bodes well for the region. It bodes well for U.S. because, let's face it, when you're playing something like a Gold Cup, you're not facing as stiff of competition as you would in Europe or South America. So anytime you get another team in there, one of these smaller nations that does well, it's good for everybody in the region. Nice. Nicely done. Right at 45. Right at the final whistle there. I like it. So, all right. Even a little frog in the throat. In yeah. The, in the throat. <laughs> the frog in the throat, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's... Are you ready, set to go? All right. Ref is blowing his whistle. Go. All right. So uh, to counter your argument, uh, I do believe that by not having uh, a USA-Mexico or in general Mexico in the final, I think actually hurt the viewership and the uh, economic standpoint of it, honestly. I heard a lot of reports out uh, that a lot of Mexico fans had already purchased their final tickets uh, for the Gold Cup and obviously were in Santa Clara and couldn't go to the game or maybe still went to the game, but not as many. So anytime the United States and Mexico, who are the two powerhouses in CONCACAF, show up at the same tournament in a cup final, We already know about the USA-Mexico rivalry, but when you throw in a cup final, that really adds a totally different dynamic. And unfortunately, I think a lot of viewers were turned away because they're like, oh, it's Jamaica? Well, the U.S. should run away with this game without being properly informed about how good Jamaica actually is. Tweet, tweet. All right, nicely done, Baxter. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, it it is interesting that... uh you know, people were coming out and saying that, yet that stadium had over 63,000 people there Mm -hmm. last night, and uh, Fox Sports or CONCACAF didn't live up to what they promised, that any time the chant would be prominent in a game, that they would cover that on the broadcast Mm -hmm. with uh, with generic crowd noise. That chant was there all game last night. Yep. Um, Wasn't covered up. I'm not going to make any uh, personal statement about it, but, uh, you know, as a network, or again, it it was actually a CONCACAF that was doing the feed, you got to live up to what you promise. But exactly. Again, but again, we are talking international soccer. So exactly, international soccer is hard, and some might say that is the uh, the catalyst or the, the the factor that makes Mexico soccer so much loved or hated, or in general, sometimes the Hispanic nations that uh, like to get out there. But it's the United States and Jamaica last night. Why well, was that? Why why do you need those those some of those chants or some of right. those? Right. Well, other you know, it's it's, it's people just trying to uh, mm-hmm. be the aggravators. But I, I will say one thing, Baxter. For people who didn't tune in last night, they mm-hmm. missed a very exciting Jamaica game. I was disappointed with the way the U.S. played. Yep. Uh, yeah, they had a ton of possession, but um, I, I, I know we're, we're going to a break, but I do want to say I was very disappointed this tournament with Kellen Acosta, and I was one mm. of the first ones to say, I'm so excited to yep, see him be in I that midfield. That. Uh, it, was, it was odd, but especially last night, really watching him, there was no anticipation from him. Mm. Uh, he was, he was, uh, you know, a ball would start to go to him, and all of a sudden, be like, "Oh, oh, yeah, like, I, I, I should, should run to the ball." Yep. But it wasn't just him. Um, Jordan Morris got the game winner, uh, but I was disappointed with some of his play. Yes, I would agree with uh, that. The whole tournament, I was tired of saying, "Hey, great, great recovery, Omar Gonzalez." Yeah, I don't want to say recover anymore. You know, I wanted to to make the play. Some anticipation um, in general. So yeah, they they lifted the trophy, which was great, but. 
overall, uh, well, Bruce Arena said it. Hey, it's great that we lifted the trophy, but we got to do much better. Yep, exactly. And that's the thing, too. Fun fact, too. Bruce Arena has only lost two games in CONCACAF, apparently, according to the, the statistics that came out last night. So that's that's got to be great. But 14-game unbeaten streak since his, uh, he's retaken the team over. Hmm, maybe this won't be such a short-term fix. We'll have to see, I guess. But all right, we're going to run to another break. When we come back, our third guest will be through the door. Who will it be? We'll find out shortly. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. On to up front, I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. We are dancing a little bit here in the studios. It is our final episode of Two Up Front as we are wrapping things up, uh, going our separate ways for all kinds of different crazy reasons going on in our life. But uh, as we mentioned previously, if you want to go back and listen to all the great episodes that we've thrown out at you, you can find them on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Spreaker.com, really anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Two Up Front. Uh, all right, Simon, uh, another great friend of the show is back. It's been far too long. Um, our agents were, were you know, at each other's throats trying to negotiate contract prices and all <laughs> kinds of other crazy things. But we finally have figured it out, uh, and we are grateful to welcome back a good friend of the show, Wells Thompson, uh, to the Two Up Front Airwaves. So welcome back, Wells. Great to hear from you, sir. Howdy, duty. Thanks, guys. Wait, so this is the last episode ever? The last episode ever, unless uh, unless something crazy happens. Yes, you are correct, sir. Wow, that's a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> I know. So we're just going to give it the floor is yours, Well, so don't screw it up, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, it's just a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extreme honor to be asked back on the show. I've been waiting. So thank you for coming through. Absolutely. Like I said, we're glad our agents could finally, uh, you know, get everything figured out with you accordingly. You have some really weird tenders in your contracts about like making sure that you have like the proper color M&Ms and Luke color, you know, warm, you know, bottles of water <laughs> and just really weird things, but we were able to finally uh, figure that out for you. So, uh, but well, that's uh, funny cuz my, my oh, good. No, I, I said that's funny cuz my agent actually told me I had to pay y'all to come on. <laughs> So, oh, that's how. That's how I, big I like time your agent. Got. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you should. Uh, maybe we were talking to the wrong agent then. I don't know. But uh, either way, Wells, we're uh, we're thrilled to have you back on, man. But uh, what's been going on with your life? For those that follow you, I'm sure on uh, on your website and your newsletter and social media, you've been all over the place and a very busy guy. But uh, for those that don't know what's going on, uh, give us a little insight into the Wells Thompson world right now. 
Yeah, man, I uh, am in the real world. I uh, took a real world job. Whoa. I'm working for a, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. I'm working for an uh, administration company. So I'm, essentially I'm in the auto industry. Um, so if you go buy a car, um, you go into the F&I office and you get uh, extra insurance and warranties and that sorts of things, those sorts of things. So those, those are the things that my company provides. And so I don't actually sell those things but I go into dealerships and train the employees how to use our biggest product. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So honestly, man, it is a phenomenal company and I love my job. Um, I actually can't believe I'm saying that, uh, the transition, it's been about two years since I retired and the transition has been extremely hard. The first year was horrible. Um, but now I'm kind of finding my way, you know, I still have my off days. I still on uh, long meetings want to, think about tackling someone and being out in the sun and playing soccer again. I sure do miss those days, but, um, God is good, man. And I found a great company to work for. Um, on the personal front, I've got two kids now. I've got a seven month old, so I'm not sleeping too much. (laughs) Um, and two is definitely harder than one, but, uh, but it's good, man. It's just trying to enjoy life. You know, I think the older you get, the the more you realize and understand how short life is, and the more tragedy you kind of come uh, in, in that you face. And so you just um, try to cherish every day that you can, man. And it, I wish it wasn't as hard to actually do that, but I'm trying my darndest to do it. Well, I, I would imagine if you're, you know, like Baxter and I, we're both fathers. It's it's when you have that first kid, maybe sometimes for people it's that second kid, where reality does smack you in the face that we're not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you have this deeper urge to pass on lessons that you've learned to somebody you love unconditionally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've already learned that. I mean, my son is eight months old, and even now, it's like you said, you're just starting to you know, realize things like, hey, life is short. You've got to make the most of the time with the, the people that you have around you. And uh, try to set as good of an example as you can as well, too, for uh, for the future generation as well. But uh, have either of your children signed homegrown contracts yet, Wells, or are they still uh, are they still negotiating? Not yet. I've got my oldest. He practices two a day. I got him running on a tight schedule. So, <laughs> you know, in a couple of years, he should be there. No, okay. uh, I'm just actually, he's three. So I'm just, uh, I'm trying to introduce the ball to him and get him interested in sports and that sort of, those sorts what? of things. But you know, a, he actually doesn't. Go I'll ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say a smart move would start to be grooming him as a left back because you know the U.S. is always <laughs> looking for left backs. That's true. That's yeah, right. I, I've actually tried to get him to use his left foot, but a year ago I was trying to get him to use his left foot, and he like slipped on the ball and fell. So he doesn't like to use his left foot right now. So I've got so, I've got some work to do with him. It's a long process, I guess. But, uh, I mean, the real question, though, is, Wells, I mean, how, how much pressure do you feel um, for your kids to, to play professional soccer, in general, play soccer at all? I, I didn't play nearly at the highest level as you did, but I named my son uh, Beckham, and everybody's been like, oh, my gosh, is he going to play soccer? I was like, if he wants to. I'm like, I'm not going to force him, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the introduction. As they say, you can, you know, bring a horse to water, but it's, it's up to, you know, him if he actually wants to play. But have you, have you received yeah. any, you know, of that from fans? family or friends being like, oh, Wells, you got to get your boys and, you know, let them live your legacy and all that stuff, or has it not been too bad? Well, first of all, that's a sweet name, man. I'm, a, I'm big into names, and I really Thank dig you. that name. So. 
Good on you and your wife. Uh, yeah, I do get that question a lot. Uh, before I had kids, I would have just said, I just want them to be happy. I want them to do whatever they want to do. And I'm still that way. But I think the older that, the, the older that my kids get, the more I'm feeling um, a desire to kind of uh, push them into sports. And, yes, my, my heart, my hope is that they love soccer, you know, and that they want to play and they want dad to take them to the pitch and teach them and that sort of, those sorts of things. But my son won't let me teach him anything now. You know, he wants to do everything by himself. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to explain to him that I used to be, you know, I'm okay in soccer and that I can <laughs> teach him a couple things, but for some reason it's not connecting right now. Um, so I, eventually I hope it, I hope it does. Uh, I do hope he plays sports and gets into that. So it's just such a great teacher of life, man. Um, and I, lo- I think I'll gain so much more satisfaction out of watching my kids uh, uh, excel and have success in sport or, you know, whatever facet of life than I ever felt um, as an athlete myself. I think that'll be so cool. Well, and, and I, I'm wondering if we can go back a little bit, Wells. Uh, you know, if you're speaking to older players or, or for somebody like myself who's more in the inter- entertainment industry, how do you get through that transition? You were talking about, you know, the first year was tough. Second year has been a lot better. What, what, are, what are things that helped you in your transition from being a professional soccer player? So, again, basically in the entertainment industry into uh, what, what you had called a, a real-world job. Yeah, it's funny. I just got off the phone with Megan Fontenot. She's uh, it was just hired uh, by the MLS Players Union uh, to replace Mike Facito, who was heading up their, um, I don't know, some athlete transition program or just, you know, helping the Players Union try to figure out how they can help prepare MLS players to transition to life after sport because I think uh, they're understanding that and getting feedback from a lot of players that it is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, everybody, it's different for everybody. Um, everybody's journey is different. It's a process. I think for me is, um, you know, I did a lot of, it was really hard, man. I had like anxiety, I had panic attacks. I was like, man, what the heck is happening? Am I crazy? But when you start to study and learn and break it down, like I've played soccer ever since I was four years old, right? So it's almost like there's a death in your life and you don't know how to cope with it. And Mm. so you really, there's no, there's no formula that say, Hey, you do this, uh, you're going to be golden. Right. right. But I right. think the but I think that in order to prepare for life after sport, you have to prepare before that transition comes. So if you just if you just say, I'm going to wait till I retire and transition well, well, then you're probably not going to transition well unless you're, you know, just ready to be done with the game. Um, and the hard part is uh, helping athletes re- uh, understand the importance of that transition because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like I know these things now because I went through it and I, I can look back and say, Hey, well, I should have done these 15 things and I would have been in a much better position to transition. Um, so one thing I have done is just kind of studied and researched, you know, I wanted to know if I was crazy, like, sure. it, it, does everybody have this hard of a time transitioning? And so I started reaching out to former teammates and opponents and saying, hey, man, how how was this like for you? And the general consensus was everybody struggled, right? So for me personally, and 
you know, I'm not afraid to share it. Like I tried to escape any way I could. I would, I was started to drink a little bit more. I started to, um, just figure out any way I could to escape it. Right. And, uh, you just have to go through a process, you know, and, uh, I still have my days, you know, I sit long means I want to tackle someone, um, or I want to go run outside or I want to go play and, um, you know, it's hard for me to watch soccer now, um, but I know that there will be a time where um, those wounds will heal and I'll be able to move on. And at the end of the day, man, I'm extremely grateful for um, God blessing me with nine years playing professionally. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just try to, trying to look forward. I think, you know, what I've realized uh, in life, and it's so applicable to sport, just so much of it is mental. You know, and so for the first year, I just said, well, I want to play soccer. I want to play soccer. And I would think about and have regrets and I should have done this, could have done that. And now I'm just trying to focus on, hey, God, you know, I'm driving in a car right now. So my windshield is 10 times bigger than my rear view, rear view mirror. You know, so I need to be looking at the windshield. And, yes, the rear view mirror is good to, to look back and, and those sorts of things. But I need to, to look ahead and realize that God has, my life is not done. I'm not dead, right? I, I mean, I have the majority of my life hopefully left to live, and so um, I'm going to focus on that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Of course, God has has His way, and we don't mm-hmm. we don't always like to go His way, but it's life certainly seems to uh, not necessarily be easier. But but um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You, 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 when you have that sense of direction from the Lord, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, you feel you're on the surfboard and not not falling into the surf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, he, I, you know, he is crazy, and he <laughs> does things. <laughs> he does things that I don't understand. You know, like why don't you just make it easier on me? But the thing is, I don't understand, and he's God for a reason. So, you know, and that it goes along with my job. I never. I was actually in the process. I was working for five months with a friend of mine to start a business to help pro athletes transition to life after sport. And I'm thinking, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm. And so I think of a, 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 a friend out in Colorado who I hadn't talked to in nine months, and he's a solid dude. He's an extremely successful businessman. And so I, I'm like, I want to call him to be my mentor. So we get on the phone, and before I can even ask him to be my mentor and help me with this business, he provides the the opportunity this job opportunity that I work for now and just lays it oh. on my feet and says I hope you get in the door that sort of thing where where he is my boss hmm. and wow. so I actually still to this day never asked him to help me with the soccer stuff because the opportunity that he presented to me was too good to be true and I felt like the Lord was leading me that way anyway so um, but it was good for me to go through that five months of trying to start that business because it helped me heal and helped me kind of um, process things and you know I still have a heart to use my experiences to help other people and that sort of thing so sure and it's yeah not man o- it works in mysterious ways and it's not always no it's sometimes it's just not right now exactly yeah yeah exactly Exactly. Well, Wells, I mean, your your words are very inspiring and very. Uh, you can hear the passion in your voice as well, too. And we uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your busy life to to stop by the show and to, to give us that update. And in general, just uh, to hear that uh, that inspiration as well, too. You, we never always know who listens to these shows, and sometimes the things that our guests or we say uh, 
can sometimes, you know, give people that sign that they're looking for, for whatever it might be in their journey. So uh, we really uh, are thankful for your words uh, and for your continued uh, fight as well, too, for everything that you do in your life, sir. Oh, absolutely. And you just hit on a per- perfect point. Uh, there's a reason behind, behind everything. And uh, we have such an ability to influence and impact people's lives. And sometimes that ability, or we, at least we think that ability, is diminished because of the world or the, you know, the thoughts in our head or discouragement. And so the fact that you guys called me to be on your last show, I tell you what, man, I'm going to ride that way for a long time. <laughs> All right. So I thank you guys for allowing me to, you know, have another spot, have another chance in the spotlight. Hey, anytime, Wells. We appreciate it, sir. We will talk to you again soon, and we are very grateful for all that you do. And uh, we wish you the very best of luck, not only in the professional world, uh, but with the, the family and the kids as well, too, sir. Thanks, guys. God bless. Appreciate it. God Absolutely. bless you, too. Thanks, Thanks Wells. Wells. All right, there goes Wells Thompson on the shopfutsal.com. Colin Line, some terrific insight from him. We are going to move along with the program. Still two more guests to get to before we wrap things up on our final edition of Two Up Front. We'll be back with more right after this. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lions Pub. Back here at Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Club. I'm Baxter Colburn. And yeah, this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, we just had some amazing conversations we've heard so far today from Peter Wilt, from Rachel Wood, and from Wells Thompson. Uh, now we get to go to another great friend of the show. Uh, he's been on our airwaves numerous times, providing us great insight and uh, always giving us different counterpoints to think about in the world of soccer as well, too. You can hear him all over the place when it comes to the soccer world. But more importantly, uh, he is uh, Brian Dunseth, and he is here with us now on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Welcome back to Two Up Front, Brian. What's going on, guys? How are you? Thanks for having me. Brian, I want to get right to it. You're friends with Mike Pecky. Did you help him get that copier fixed yet? <laughs> no, I think that's Trey's job. <laughs> what I've been told. <laughs> um, no, listen, Mike, Mike is fantastic. He was lit up. Uh, it was a bunch of things smashed together. Oh, mainly yeah. being uh, Kyle Beckerman's appeal being denied. Um, on the backside of Nima, Nima Sagafi having a shocker during the match. Um, but good news, Mike actually signed a printer for uh, for a couple of fans here in Salt Lake. So <laughs> he, he's in on the joke. He's he's a highly, highly intelligent human being, and I, and I love having him out here. Oh, and I, I tell you what, I loved watching that whole uh, post-game interview because it's, it's, it's great to see that passion in this league. Mm-hmm. I had no problem with it whatsoever. You need that. You do, and I don't think he stepped out of bounds, to be quite honest. No, no. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how MLS comes down on him, because I think, quite frankly, they're going to have to, because it was such a, it was such a massive statement. But I thought that Mike was very, very intelligent with the way he went about his criticism, uh, not making it um, individual, making it more of a blanket statement of frustration. Uh, so it'll see. It it it, it will be. I guess kind of the biggest thing, what, what I continue to look at is with the disciplinary committee, there's never anything that really goes public, right? There is just that this player is fine for this action. Here's the accompanying uh, video. Mm-hmm. Well, when the appeal process happens, there's not 
a public statement for Kyle Beckman in particular when he and Fernando Adi came together. Um, they basically said that the public statement was that his appeal has been denied. Well, why was the appeal denied? And I think that was the frustrating part. But the good news uh, out of all of this is that, um, you know, for those that don't know Salt Lake City in general, uh, this, this is a galvanizing moment for this city. They, they, they love they loved Jason Christ for what he did for so long. Uh, never really got behind Jeff Kassar. Uh, and now in the four months, even with the, the struggles in May and June that this team has had, um, he, he is, he's a man about town right now. He, everybody is absolutely in love with Mike Pecky for being frank and open and honest and, and having that East Coast kind of straight at you conversation. And I think that's what you need, too. And as you mentioned, that's only um, going to help the league continue to grow. And we need more firecrackers like that, I feel like, sometimes. Because, uh, you know, we how many times have we seen, you know, press conferences from, you know, people over in England or other places and people be like, why don't we have that same passion here in America when MLS? Like, we do. You just, you got to look for it. And you got to, you know, realize that we are continuing to grow as well, too. But, um, Brian, we want to we talk to you briefly about your thoughts on this uh, 2017 Gold Cup, the United States hoisting the trophy after an 88th-minute goal there from Jordan Morris to seal the deal. But uh, what were some of your takeaways from this tournament, or how surprised maybe were you uh, on how the U.S. did or did not fare? I didn't like it, to be quite honest with you. Um, I was one of those guys that was in the camp that this tournament doesn't matter. Um, and, and I hate being that guy, but I think once we got to the final – a little bit and had a little trophies on the line. Um, an opportunity for Josie and Michael to lift the gold cup for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And an opportunity for Bruce to kind of toy around with this identity of Clint Dempsey coming off the bench um, and buying into that being an impact player. Uh, you know, starting games, can start games, and, and, you know, being a sub uh, and not feeling like he's going to be the guy that goes 90 minutes every single game. Uh, we learned a couple things, which we already kind of knew, that Viafania starting outside left back in a World Cup qualifier. Um, we learned very quickly that Joe Gautzor, Michael Bradley, and Tim Howard, and, and Darlington Nagby, uh, to an extent, uh, are massive impact players in this region. Um, and I think at the end of the day, outside of the bonus money that the players get for lifting that trophy, because they do get a lot of money. Um, this is a, it's another trophy for Bruce Arena to add to the collection. And if you think back where we were 10 months ago, um, you know, 0-2 in World Cup qualifying, uh, Sunil swings the ax towards Jurgen Klinsmann's way, and now Bruce is undefeated. Uh, we're comfortable in the World Cup qualifying process, and now we've just won a Gold Cup regardless if it's uh, an A, B, or C squad. Um, this is a confidence builder and it shows just how quickly things can change in less than a year. Well, speaking of that, we're only five weeks away from uh, playing Costa Rica. Well, not us personally, the U.S. Yeah. playing Costa Rica. We finally Ball got Arena. our call ups. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be that would be a slaughter fest. It would get ugly fast. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, what, what players, uh, you know, do we see a Darlington Nagby start in this game? Are, are there players from the Gold Cup that, that have earned starting positions? Are we going to see the more traditional starting 11 that we have, um, even under um, Bruce Arena, some from, from Klinsman's era? Yeah, I would say we know Tim's the starter in goal. Uh, we know Michael Bradley. We know the spine of our team for the most part. We know it's going to be Tim, Michael, and Josie. Um, I think Biafania is the starting outside left back in the World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica. Uh, I still think it's Brooks and Cameron are the two center backs. 
I still think DeAndre Yedlin's the right back. Um, the question for me is Nagby and Kellen Acosta. Now, I think it depends on how Bruce wants to – and let, let's, let's really quickly talk about the phases, right? You talk about the injuries uh, heading into naming that roster because there's plenty of injuries that can happen from now until then with Major League Soccer and, and preseason Europe and Mexico and La Liga starting. Um, you know, then you take that second step. Okay, well, the opponent's at home against Costa Rica, and then you know you're at Honduras in San Pedro Sula in the midday kickoff, and the field's going to be really average, and the, the heat and humidity are, is going to be just boiling. Um, so you, you start to think, okay, if you're Bruce, are you thinking about two different team selections, or are you thinking about trying to figure out a hybrid of two groups? One will start against Costa Rica, and then say eight would start uh, on the road in Honduras. And once you get past those kind of conversations, then that's where we in the media get to speculate. Um, and I think what, what I would love to see is I would love to see Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore up top, uh, because I think Bobby Wood is, it, it, and it's been a great two games for Jordan Morris, because it clearly identifies the way in which Bruce Arena wants to utilize Jordan Morris, meaning that, he is a front runner. He's not a wide player. And we never really distinguished that. He kind of started to fall into the Landon Donovan um, and, and Clint Dempsey conversation, Jossie Zardes conversation, like what is his position, not what is his best position. Um, I could see more of a diamond being played for Bruce, meaning Michael Bradley sits, Nagby on one side, on the right, Fabian Johnson on the left, and then Christian Pulisic underneath uh, Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore. If that was, if you said to me right now, put together what your strongest 11 lo- looks like, it's Howard and Goal, Viafania, Brooks, Cameron, Yedlin, Michael sitting, Nagby on the right of a diamond, uh, Fabian Johnson on the left of a diamond, Polistic underneath, uh, and then Josie and Bobby Wood up top with Clint coming off the bench. Uh, you've got Kellen Acosta to give you defensive stability. Um, Ariola, I think, has done a good job at least to put himself in the conversation of what does that look like if I'm on a uh, on a gold cup or if I'm on a World Cup roster. Um, and then you start, you know, you think about that. Who who else is in that mix when you're thinking about guys that know their role could come off the bench? And we know he's got a somewhat of a blind spot for Giassi Zardes only because of his history with him. Um, but does a Kellen Rowe have an opportunity? You know, Christian Roldan being invited down to be a part of the final is an interesting statement to me. Um, Sebastian Legette, when he's healthy, we still haven't talked about Jermaine Jones. I mean, there's so many different conversations uh, to continue to have right now about uh, on the backside of how Bruce has put this all together. Exactly, and just really briefly as well, too, because I know we're running out of time with you, but what was your evaluation, or do you think the long-term futures are for Kellen Rowe and Dom Dwyer based off of their performances in those few games that we saw? Oh, I'm glad you brought up Dom because he totally slipped my mind, and that shouldn't have happened. Um, I think Dom has put himself in the conversation for a player coming off the bench chasing a game, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll still have to earn the trust of Bruce Arena. Uh, Kellen Rowe, that's, that's such an interesting one. Um, because we kind of, we, we've seen, we've seen Jay, he use him as an outside left back this year when he's clearly a wide midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, I thought he did really, really well in the group stage. Now, I guess the conversation then becomes twofold. Number one, what did trainings look like with Kellen? Because I would argue that trainings are just as important as the performances because it gives Bruce an opportunity to see technically, tactically kind of the spirit of the player, 
how that all looks within the group. Um, and number two, the competition and the depth in that position. But I think Kellen has done himself enough to get into a January camp um, to see maybe if he can continue to kind of sneak his way in a la uh, a Charlie Davies or a Stu Holden back in the day. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And even just from the games that I saw with Kellen Rowe, for some reason he and Dom Dwyer paired really well together. I, I was noticed yeah, that for some yeah. reason. It was yeah. always Rowe giving Dwyer the ball. And I was like, that's a strange combination that's working fairly well. I was like, this is really cool, though, to see two guys kind of rising up. And uh, especially, you know, as a Revolution fan, seeing Kellen Rowe doing really well, I was like, hey, this is this is great. I, you know, I've been preaching Kellen <laughs> Rowe and Lee Wynn for a while, and it's great to see at least one of them getting an opportunity in a, in a bigger stage. So I was very pleased by that, in all honesty. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, now with the uh, with the pressure on Jay in New England and the news today about Kurt and also, um, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how Kellen Rowe, um, Kai Kamara, Juan Agudelo, uh, you know, Teal's finding the back of the net. It's 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 a fascinating time right now for the Revs. Yes, I completely agree with you on that one as well, too. So, uh, Brian, we unfortunately have to let you run just due to time constraints, but uh, we want to just take a minute to say thank you very much for your continued contributions to Two Up Front and uh, everything that you brought to the show uh, over our existence. So thank you very much, sir. All good, guys. Anytime you need me. Absolutely. Right, thanks, we appreciate Brian. it. Thanks a lot, Brian. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, there goes Brian Dunseth on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line one final guest to get to, uh, and we know that is a gentleman that uh, is always straight to the point and doesn't beat around the bush, so we'll get to him right after this. It's Two Up Front, our final show presented by Three Lines Pub. Back right after this. Up front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, rolling along with our final broadcast of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. That's Simon Provan. As we've mentioned, we've had four great guests on, and we have mentioned, Simon, that we have five, because uh, sometimes everything is better when you have five total guests on on a show for some reason. It's our last show, as we mentioned, so That's we can right. do what we want. That's We're having right. a party. Uh, so uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had this gentleman on the program with us, but we are thrilled to welcome back ESPN senior writer Jeff Carlisle back to the program. So welcome back, Jeff. It's great to have you on the program. Thanks, guys. How are you? Doing well. We're doing very well, and uh, we're excited to have you back on the program, Jeff. Uh, maybe not as excited, though, as Orlando City fans right now, as they have seen the return <laughs> of Dom Dwyer. There was uh, crowds at the airport welcoming him in. Uh, it looked like a real celebration of soccer, basically. It was amazing to see. But well, And Dom had even said, too, this made me feel like a superstar walking yes, into his airport. Yes, it, it looked like it, honestly, from the videos and the pictures that I've seen as well, too. But, uh, Jeff, how did you react to this uh, we saw it as a rumor from Taylor Twelman and other sources as well, too. Uh, and then it finally happened, the trade, as it were, uh, Dom Dwyer from Sporting Kansas City to Orlando City. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a blockbuster just um, for the money alone. Um, 
you know, and I think it just shows how much Tam is really just influencing the thinking uh, among MLS clubs. You know, 1.6 million is just a huge chunk of change to be throwing around. But um, you know, in talking to Jason Christ, you know, the way he justified it, you know, he said, "Hey, this is still a lot less money than we would have to spend on the open market." So. Uh, you know, they looked at, at Dwyer's stats and, you know, I'm sure they looked at all the metrics as well and uh, just, you know, what he brings to teams. And I'm sure they kept an eye on uh, his performances with the U.S. team as well. So, you know, ultimately they decided that this was the right way to go. Um, you know, I still think there's another shoe to drop with Kyle Lahren. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, because I think, I think ultimately he's going to be sold. But, you know, it's great that they have – you know, a ready-made alternative. Uh, I don't want to say replacement or plan B because I think Dwyer is a terrific player in his own right. But, you know, they've, they've got a, uh, an alternative in Dwyer who's, who's certainly a high-quality player. Um, if you're Kansas City, you know, I, I, it's, it's, you know, Vermes has done these kind of deals in the past. Um, you know, Peter Vermes, uh, the GM and head coach of Kansas City, I mean, he – and you think about guys like Teal Bunbury and and um, and B. Ayler before that or after that, you know he's he's not been shy about uh, moving on from from one forward to another if it makes financial sense for the team. So, and that's what he did here. I mean, they couldn't come to a contract agreement, so you know he decided to strike uh, you know while the iron was hot, as it were. And uh, I think he set up Kansas City very well financially for years to come. I think it's a little bit of a risk, though, in the, in the context of the current season. Just you know, Kansas City had a good thing going, and mm-hmm. Dwyer was part of that. So, you know, we'll see how much you know their season is impacted by this move. Yeah, ultimately, do you do you see it as a a, a pretty fair trade, or do you see more risk on one side for uh, not only short term, like you're talking about sporting Kansas City, but but long term wise, is there is there risk for one team more than the other with this deal? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be, the onus is going to be on Orlando to sign Dwyer to a new deal at some point. He's got a club option, or I guess in this case, it's more like a league option through the end of 2018. So, you know, at some point, you know, Orlando is going to have to ante up and, excuse me, and pay, you know, Dwyer what he thinks he's worth. Uh, so, I mean, there's a little bit of risk there, um, you know, but I think, you know, ultimately, it's you know, I think both sides benefited. I mean, Orlando needed to do something to kickstart their offense. Their attack is, you know, at least in terms of goals scored, is, is one of the worst in the league. And, um, you know, that's with Laren and Kaká and, you know, and those pieces. So, uh, you know, it's they had to do something. And, you know, obviously Kansas City didn't want to be left losing Dwyer for nothing. Um, you know, he's got an English passport. So, I mean, that's uh, – or a U.K. passport, I should say. And so, you know – you know, six months from the end of his contract, he can sign a pre-contract and and state his intention. So, uh, you know, I think it's a deal that's going to end up working out for both sides. You know, I I would say it's a little bit more of a risk for for Orlando just in terms of, you know, can they get Dwyer signed to that new deal? Yeah, and I would agree with you on that too. I mean, realistically, Orlando, they're just a couple of points outside of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But yeah, that question mark and that concern, as you mentioned, Jeff, only 22 goals scored for this team this season. Um, and they have really suffered the last couple of games as well, too. But, I, I, you know, a lineup that has that has Laren and Dwyer and Kakan, it really 
Uh, some might say it almost might sound like, oh, that's like a, a starting three for like an MLS All-Star team or something like that. Just, you know, because you wouldn't expect to have those three players on the field at the same time for the same team, you know, in that regard. So it's going to be exciting if they can get it to work. But as you mentioned, though, I mean, when you've got, you know, several prolific goal scorers, there's only one ball. So who's who's going to get the ball basically sometimes as well, too? So uh, I think it's going to be a, a good experiment. And uh, as you mentioned, Jason Christ uh, seems to, to really be, you know, smart when it comes to these sort of deals. Same with Peter Vermees as well, too. Uh, I, I'm curious to know, though, as well, too, obviously, how this kind of plays into the family dynamic for Dwyer as well, too, because his wife uh, and son obviously live in Kansas City, where Sydney plays professional soccer for FC Kansas City. So wondering uh, in the NWSL ranks if we might see uh, a Sydney LaRue trade or something where she just might happen to just you know get signed by the Orlando Pride. But you don't want to get any speculation of that nature going on right now, obviously. So uh, speaking of signings, though, as we mentioned uh, you know previously off the air with you, Jeff, uh, the LA Galaxy have signed uh, a new coach, uh, but a man that is very familiar to MLS ranks. Uh, Ziggy Schmidt, former Seattle Sounders coach, uh, finds himself in and, L.A. now. And former L.A. Galaxy coach. And former L.A. Galaxy <laughs> coach. That's right. I forgot about that way back in the day. So uh, what are your thoughts about this move, Jeff? It's obviously it was still very fresh in the minds of Major League Soccer right now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a situation where you know, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. I mean, it always felt like a stretch. Hiring Kurt Anolfo, um, you know, obviously he had been a head coach in MLS before. You know, he, uh, you know, he had experience, you know, in the in the Galaxy organization, you know, with their reserve team. But, you know, you just wondered. I mean, there is such a thing as presence, and I, I always wondered if, if Anolfo. I mean, clearly he had the presence to to handle, you know, U23 guys. Um, but you wondered if, with all those big personalities in the team, like a Yelly Van Dam, you know, like a Gio Dos Santos, you know, if that was ever going to work out. And it, clearly it wasn't. Um, but I also think, you know, this is a little bit on Chris Klein and, and Pete Bainas too. I mean, they, they made the decision to, to kind of go with these reserve team guys to really kind of, you know, flesh out the rest of the roster. And uh, they've had some injuries. I mean, certainly Sebastian Legette was a huge loss, or is a huge loss. You know, Jermaine Jones hasn't played a whole lot. Um, you know, Jossi Zardes has had his injury in- issues, and then he's been gone on national team duty. So it's they've by no means had their full team. But, you know, I think this was the risk that the Galaxy took in, in, uh, in depending on these USL guys and reserve team guys and guys out of the academy. I mean, you're just going to get wild fluctuations in play, and I, I really think that's what we've seen out of the Galaxy this year. Well, one of the questions I have, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, just a few days I mean, ago was, you know, he, oh, sorry, I think we lost you for a second there. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, uh, you know, Ziggy Schmidt, this is a dream come true for him. He's an L.A. guy. He was with UCLA way back in the day. And then That's the right. Galaxy, and it's almost he's been, like, trying to get back there ever since. So, I mean, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for him. Well, and also what a what a way to start off by facing your former club in Seattle as well. It's funny how uh, that works out sometimes. <laughs> but my my bigger question for you, and I'm sure the answer is probably no, but you know, just a few days ago, Giovanni Dos Santos was coming out and talking about how concerned he is about the Galaxy and and uh, how poorly they've been playing. Does he have any influence in this decision making? Uh I mean, define influence. Um, I, I think, you know, he can communicate to Chris Klein and Pete Vianas about what the mood is like on the ground. Um, 
But I think, you know, I, I think Vianison and Klein can do that themselves. I mean, they, they can see how the team is playing. They can, they, you know, they can see practice. They can see how the guys are interacting with each other. So, um, you know, I think you're always going to, to listen to the opinions of, of your, your most senior players, your highest paid players. Uh, so, I, you know, I think a guy like Yelly Van Dam was, was, you know, they probably talked to him as well just to get a sense of how things were going. Um, but in terms of the overall decision, I think, I mean, that's ultimately Chris Klein and, and P. Vianis' decision. So um, it's interesting, too. I mean, P. Vianis and, and Z. Schmidt go way back as well. I mean, P. Vianis was at UCLA. So, um, you know, it's kind of you – know, they're kind of getting the family back together. But, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, why didn't they just hire Schmidt in the first place? It was – Right. You know, just kind of an odd, again, an odd decision to go the, the Analfo route when, when Schmidt was sitting there unemployed and available. Well, and especially when you consider Analfo's record with, with the MLS teams he did have at the realm, uh, he wasn't very successful. Well, you know, in D.C. United, I, I don't think he was really given a chance. I mean, that you could look at that team in preseason and see that Kurt Analfo was going to have a hard time. I mean, that team just did not have any talent at all. And so... So then you're just left to wonder, you know, is it him? Is it was it is it the team? I mean, I, I think that's why most people were, were willing to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of DC. He did have some success in Kansas City, and he was able to get quite a bit of mileage and success out of Eddie Johnson, who, mm-hmm. you know, over the years has proven to be kind of a, a you know a, a challenge to manage at times. So, sure. um, so I mean, there was that, but. You know, I think it was again. It was it was just a little. It was kind of almost a bridge too far, I think, for an Alfo. I mean, some some guys are meant to be assistants. Some some guys are meant to be reserve team coaches and and work with guys. You know, at that point in their careers, and I, there's always going to be value in that. Um, you know, certainly if you're Kurt Alfo and you get offered the job, you have to take it. But um, you know, I, I think it was. You know, there was some misreading of of, of this. You know, of, of exactly how effective an offer could be. I think you know, it was a little bit of wishful thinking on the part of Klein and, and of Ianis. That's true. And one last comment too about getting the family back together. Uh, reports have come out saying that uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is signed with the Galaxy as well too, uh, as of a couple of uh, days ago as well too. So Gio and Jonathan are back together. Uh, which will now be the third designated player for the Galaxy. Uh, how do you like him fitting into what the Galaxy have going on right now? Well, certainly he's going to add a lot more steel to that lineup. Um, you know, he's he's a very you know just a, an outstanding player. Um, you know, just excellent in that holding role. You know, it is going to be interesting to see how you know how Jermaine Jones is going to fit into all this. You know, he's coming back from injury. I mean, I think. You know, Jao Pedro has been a bit of a disappointment. I think you know that was another kind of error in judgment, almost in terms of you know what he was going to be able to provide. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how those pieces fit together. Um, you know, and, and where does Jassy Zardes fit in? I mean, is he a forward? Is he a wide player? Um, you know, I'd have to think that he's a forward at this point. And so then you've kind of got a midfield triangle of, of Jones, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos and Gio Dos Santos, and that's that's pretty potent. You know, and if they can get some of these guys back, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, they could be very good. I mean, the question I have is, is it going to happen in time? I mean, because they have dug quite a hole for themselves. And, um, you know, they, they've, they've got a real mountain to climb in the Western Conference. It's not quite as stacked maybe as in years past, but there's some good teams that they have to climb over. Yeah, my last question for you, Jeff, especially with this uh, being our last show. This is a much more broad question, but I, I love your insight, and obviously, you know, you've got a lot of uh, 
relationships within the league. Where do you see MLS going? Uh, you, go, you know, growth wise, not just expansion wise, but but growth wise, you know, over the next decade, the MLS 4.0, I guess you could say. Wow. Um, you know, I think viewership is still the final frontier for this league, and it's it's obviously a, a hugely changing landscape with just with the way in which consumers, you know, view their content, you know, so much of it's on mobile devices, you know, and then you've got the streaming companies that are coming in and, 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 you know, making a play for sports properties. So I, I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how MLS navigates all of those things. Um, you know, they, they've been trying to get the TV ratings up, but you know, they, they also like to point to engagement on social media and things like that. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's just changing so it's changing in a, in a really I almost want to say disruptive way. And so I think it, it's, it's, you know, MLS, you know, they're always very methodical about these things, but it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. Um, and I think at some point they're going to have to on the field, they're going to have to open up the purse strings. I mean, they've got to, they've got to spend more. We're seeing that with Tam, but I mean, it, it's, it's almost like they're nibbling around the edges at that. So, you know, you know, can they, they start to get more guys? I think they're getting more young, exciting, dynamic players in their prime. But, sure. you know, can they get some more of those big names who are in their mid-20s? So, you know, that's a challenge as well. Um, historically, MLS has been very astute with expansion markets. They've always been very smart with that. Uh, you know, in the next couple of years, obviously, they're going to be adding, you know, some more teams. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out as well. So I think those are all moving parts that, that MLS is going to have to make sure that, they're, that are in sync and uh, that makes sense, you know, you know, across the board. So uh, not easy. Not easy if you're Don Garber and Mark Abbott and all those guys in the league office. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, we are very grateful for, uh, for the time and effort that you've put into being on our program several times and uh, for the time and effort that you put into covering soccer as well, too, for, uh, for ESPN FC. So a very big thank you to all that you do for helping continue to grow the game of soccer, sir. Well, thanks very much, and I enjoyed being on your show, and, and, and sorry that this is the last one, but, uh, you know, just thanks for having me on. It was, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, Jeff. Always a pleasure, sir. We will uh, talk to you soon and wish you the very best of luck. All right, likewise. All right, right. thanks, Jeff. Thanks much. All right, there goes Jeff Carlisle, uh, one of the great writers over there at ESPN FC, uh, the man that continues to change the game of soccer from a journalism perspective. And I've never really read a bad piece from Jeff in all honesty. I don't don't think I have. Like the basis of my question is always insightful. You know, I've been reading this guy for years, and he's he's one of my first, he's he's one of my go to writers. It's true. He was one of your first soccer loves. Yeah, you to can make say that. Sound when, we're, when we're talking journalism. Yeah. Right. From a soccer journalism <laughs> love perspective. I don't know. 1990 U.S. men's team was my... F- of well, course. no. Well, my, my brothers actually were my ah, first soccer love. But there you go. international level, 1990, 1990 U.S. men's team. There you go. Paul Caligiri hitting that uh, shot heard around the world Woo! in 1989. I love it. All right. We are going to go to our final break. When we come back, we'll do an I Believe, and we'll wrap things up. Uh, with two up front for our final broadcast. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this with two up front presented by Three Lines Pub.
Back here at Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. As we conclude our final Two Up Front broadcast, we want to remind you, of course, if you want to listen to any of our previous shows, you can find them on iTunes, on Spreaker.com, and on iHeartRadio as well, too, or any other podcasting apps. Just search for Two Up Front and give us a listen. We love it uh, and appreciate it. Uh, the legacy of Two Up Front will live on uh, in the podcasting world. That's, that's right. for sure. That's right. Uh, we want to do I Believe, but before we get there, though, Simon, uh, you had the great idea of bringing back uh, an old segment, those that yeah. were like way back, like two years ago old, that we used to do that uh, you always loved doing and the, the viewers or, or rather the listeners uh, enjoyed as well, too. So uh, what is this that you want to bring back for our final show here? Well, all my life I've, I've heard, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, <laughs> uh, the Chipmunks, uh, whatever else, but I realized... As an adult, that I can never win at the game Simon Says because kids have gotten <laughs> smart and they realize that even if I don't say Simon Says, mm-hmm. they all turn and say, but you did say it. Yes. They're like, uh, come on, guys. Get <laughs> out of so, here. So we have the segment called Simon Says that I, I tend to choose, well, I did choose some type of controversial uh, topic. and and Love a good controversy. And wasn't afraid to share my opinion on that. Absolutely. Um, so I figured, you know, for the last show, Let's, let's go out with let, a bang. Let, let's go out with a bang. I love so, it. A, a little bit of Simon Says. It's similar to the 50-50, but mm-hmm. in this case, I'm only taking 30 seconds. So it's, it's like that U14 game. You there know, you the go. 30 minutes. Perfect. Which, uh, by the way, I do want to send out a, a quick shout yes. out to my nephew, Porter Provan, who um, was he plays for FC Wisconsin U14s. Uh, that's what made me think of this. And, uh, well, he, his, his team has made a historic run, Baxter, in that they're the first team in Wisconsin to challenge for two national championships. That is uh, incredible. So the National Premier League, the NPL, they did lose that final. Uh, they lost it 5 nothing. But great thing was the day and age that we live in, I was able to actually watch the game because it was, it was streamed. Um, and now they are down in Frisco at the FC Dallas Complex down there, which I've been to and it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It's awesome. Um, lost. They did lose their first two group plays. They have just a Bit of a challenge with uh, with their final offensive third, mm. uh, but nevertheless, so they're so they're not going to win the uh, U.S. What is it? U.S. Y.S.A. Yeah, United States Youth Soccer Association. Uh, that national championship. That's the one most people know about. Mm-hmm. They're not going to advance past the group, but still, what a what a great season to be challenging for two national championships. So, Absolutely. So once again, shout out to my nephew, Porter Provan, and congrats to that whole team on an awesome season. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that was not the Simon Says. That was though. not. That was, the no. pre- that was the precursor to the Simon Says. That was the pregame show to the Simon Says. So uh, I am ready for you, sir, uh, if you're ready to roll. Yeah. Let me, well, let me let me set this up and then Please. give you some time. Yep, so it was, it was reported that uh, MLS was offered $4 billion dollars from a media group that includes the Silva brothers or Silva cousins, whatever it may be, Silva. And one of the things that that offer had, though, was that MLS had to have a promotion relegation structure. Uh, so the Twitter sphere has been exploding about this. So I'd like to share 30 seconds of my opinion on Absolutely, this. Absolutely, sir. The floor is yours whenever you are ready to start. Here we go. Simon says that get over it. <laughs> this was a gimmick. More than anything, it was a gimmick. Because here's the thing. If you're going to explode about the promotion relegation thing and say, well, there it is. MLS is officially turning down promotion relegation. 
MLS can't actually negotiate a new media deal until theirs is up with ESPN, which is a few years down the line. So we don't know enough about this. MLS was not saying no to promotion relegation on the surface. What they were saying no to is we can't negotiate this deal yet. So know your information before you start spouting your opinions. Yes, I completely agree. You know, when I when I first saw that article come out, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to hear what Simon has to say about this. And as you mentioned, there's a bit of a gimmick as well, too. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I mean, legally, you know, this is not like Europe where you can get around some of these things. <laughs> but legally, MLS cannot negotiate with any media group until their deal is up with Fox, Univision, and uh, is it yeah, ESPN. ESPN. So similar to uh, MLS cannot negotiate, or the U.S. government cannot negotiate with terrorists, MLS cannot negotiate with media companies. Right. Apparently. So, so. And, and, you know, and there's there's a whole other. I I want promotion relegation at some point. Yes. But when you're still expanding as a league, you, you can't introduce it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people who, you know, have come to know MLS in the last few years. That man, I just want to say, look at what happened to the NASL. You know, it, it, the league died when the when the purse strings, like Jeff Carly was talking about, when the purse strings were so wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, the New York Cosmos, basically, they were fantastic, a storied club, but they basically ran that league into folding because of the money they spent and the wars that they started, and, and we just weren't ready for that. Now, there's a lot more structure, obviously, in this country for professional soccer, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're in that place yet where a team can survive relegation. They obviously can survive promotion, but I don't see them being able to survive relegation at this point. I completely Um, agree. You know, take out the whole thing about, well, this guy put in $150 million, this guy put in Mm $100,000, you know, uh, as Peter Wilt had said on one of our previous shows, you know, go look at his 9,000 word manifesto, manifesto, (laughs) uh, which I have. um, So, you know, that, that helps make some of that makes some sense out of all of that. Uh, but when you're expanding still as a league, and I do believe that MLS is probably going to go to about 32 and stop there, mm-hmm. then you can start having discussions. But it's also, too, the leagues, the, the business structure of each league mm-hmm. are completely different from each other. Exactly. So, so you've got, so, you know, when promotion relegation does come, and I do believe it will come, it's going to take years for these owners, for these commissioners, mm-hmm. to pound out how exactly do you make this work. Exactly, and I think that's the big thing in this as well, too. MLS is still 20 years young, so there's still a lot of room to grow, but the growth that we have seen has been fairly consistent and fairly stable as well, too. So you as an American soccer fan should be pleased, but also still hopeful and optimistic for the future as well, too. So I'm excited to see what MLS continues to do. I mean, we're obviously big fans of NWSL as well. We're excited to see what that league does. We you know, would like to see promotion relegation. And that's someplace somehow, too, with different second division women's football sure, and all sure. that stuff as well, too. Yeah, so. And, you know, a good start there, as we've talked about before, is have an actual official Open Cup yes. for women's soccer. Yep. I guess there is a smaller tournament out there, but uh, mm-hmm. I want to see a fully-fledged one like in men's soccer. I agree. I completely agree. So uh, do you want to move on to our I Believe sure. segment, sir? All right. All right, it is our I Believe segment where both Simon and I offer something we believe will take place uh, in the soccer world or just in life in general. We've kind of been all over the place with our I Believe <laughs> the last two years. So some life, some professional, some soccer, some all kinds of crazy stuff. So, uh, Simon, if you'd like to go first, sir, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh been thinking long and hard about this one because it's the last one. So you it's feel true, like you it's got it to be gusto, you know. 
Um, so I'll tell you what, my I believe, uh, I'm going to make it a little more personal in that I believe uh, in my daughters, I believe in my wife, mm-hmm. I believe uh, we have a, a great future for our family. Um, and I believe that for both of us, whatever, you know, wherever life takes us, uh, we've already been immensely blessed mm-hmm. with family. We've been immensely blessed with the guests that we've had on the show. Uh, so no matter what happens, things are going to be great. I agree. That's what I believe. Yeah. And um, for my I believe, I mean, I pretty much am going to echo virtually all of that in all honesty. I mean, I, I believe that we have created something that both of us can be very proud of. I think that uh, we have definitely changed the landscape of the soccer world from media perspective, I think, over the last two years, especially the last year with our extended coverage on the women's game. And in general, just the guests that we've had on, uh, I think, have really changed how people sometimes perceive soccer and in general perceive people that might think they know something about soccer as well. So I think we've changed the narrative on that as well, too. Plus, um, I think that we've just, uh, in general, really helped both of ourselves uh, just become better people and in general look forward to whatever you know as god has in store for both of us next as well so i'm very excited about all of that honestly. yeah you know the other thing too is I'm, I'm i can walk away very proud of the fact that uh we got in our town in milwaukee we got we got people talking to each other that normally mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to each other yep uh you know it, it milwaukee can be at times in the soccer community uh very territorial yes and, and i think uh in some respects some of those boundaries have been broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we look at uh, some of the upcoming Milwaukee Torrent games. Yes. Uh, finally playing some local club teams. Yep. It's um, huge. It, that, that is huge. So uh, that's I think that's in the soccer realms, that's one of the things I, I really am most proud of. Yes, I completely agree with you on that as well, too. So um, I want to say a big thank you to virtually, I mean, everybody that's ever been a part of the show, either on, you know, on the air or behind the scenes or in general, that has just uh, helped support what Two Up Front has been the last two and a half years. It's been an incredible journey. It's taken Simon to Houston. It's taken us all over the world with guests. Uh, we've had so much fun, and uh, I'm very thankful to you, Simon, as well, too, for all of your hard work and dedication that oh, you likewise. put into the show. Likewise, Baxter. And, I, you know, it's... It's, it is pretty awesome when you look back at, at all the guests that we've had. I mean, we have Cr- Crystal Dunn on, mm-hmm. um, Lynn Williams, uh, Jonathan Campbell, Drew Connor. Uh, we'll so, keep our webpage going for a little yeah, bit longer, but go and take a look at there. the guests. It's, uh, you know, and I, wanted, I do want to give a special shout-out to Sky Blue. John Archibald yes. at Sky Blue has yep. been wonderful. Anytime we've asked to get somebody on, mm-hmm. he has responded within minutes. Um, always constantly working with us. So, mm-hmm. so a special shout out to him. And of course, I do want to give a special shout out as well to Allison Phillips, our very first yes. sponsor, the first person to actually write a check and say, I believe in what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so continue to do it. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah, very special thanks to Allison Phillips, to the Three Lines Pub at Red Line Pub as well, too, for what they did for us, uh, and just all the other networks that we had an opportunity to spend some airtime on as well, too, throughout our time as well, too. Yeah, and, and, and last thing I want to say, too, especially about Three Lines Pub, is, you know, one of the things that we wanted to make sure we got to the end of July yep. uh, to honor that that agreement that we had with them for the sponsorship. And, uh, and I, I'm glad we did. It was you know, the, the ethical thing to do, even yes. though we had a sense that, you know what, schedule-wise, this is getting more and more difficult for us to do. Um, and you know what? I also, wanna, I also want to thank Sports Radio America for yes. the year that, uh, that they had us on there. They were also very supportive of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, hey, we got to a point where we were weighing two offers between two mm-hmm. um, other networks. Yep. Um, <laughs> learned a few things from that. Yeah. 
It's true. We did. <laughs> we certainly did. Um, I did want to thank Kevin as well, too, at the Sports Podcasting Network as well, too, yeah, for what absolutely. he did for us. Yes. So it was great to, to have him and have his support as well, too. But, I mean, you can't really be mad, honestly, I feel like, about this journey as a whole. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot. We both have learned a lot and got to have conversations we probably really would never would have had you know at some point or meet people we never really thought we would meet or have the chance to you know ask those burning questions so uh it's been it's been a true adventure and i'm very uh very blessed and very thankful for all of that honestly yeah yeah likewise and i, I imagine baxter that uh once in a while you and i will still post something on our facebook page oh, sure. whether it's opinions or maybe even a, a little blog entry but uh absolutely. so you know stay tuned folks to the to the two upfront sports page on Facebook. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, Facebook and Twitter will be the best places. And then if you just want to continue to follow what Simon and I have going on, we're on uh, Twitter as well, too, aren't we? Absolutely, Simon? yeah. At Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. Yes, Pretty simple. Indeed. Uh, and find all these previous episodes uh, on iTunes, on Spreaker.com, and on iHeartRadio as well, too. Just search for Two Upfront, the number two. And as Simon mentioned, too, you can check out our website for a little while longer, uh, twoupfrontsoccer.com. Check out all the great guests and all different kinds of information about the program as well, too. So uh, any other final or closing thoughts, Simon, before we sign off? Last people I want to thank is the listeners who have, who yes. have uh, always been there. Um, Kale on Twitter has <laughs> been extremely supportive. So has Keo. Yep. Uh, of course, Anthony back in the beginning as yep. well was, was a super fan. But uh, Kale and I have actually been messaging each other a little bit about uh, the show coming to an end. She was one of the few people that knew the secret. Yep. Uh, she was really bummed out. And that's one thing, Baxter, I don't think I told you, is she said, you know what, you guys are the reason I watch the NWSL. Wow. Uh, That's so, huge. So, so thank you, Kale, for, for tuning in and being a super fan. Yes, you need those super fans. That's how things like this continue to grow. I mean, uh, as we mentioned, a big thank you to the listeners and to our families as well, too, ultimately, for being the, the main support system in all of this yeah. as well, too. Yeah. So uh, love you guys out there, and uh, thank you so much as well to you, Simon. Yeah, love, love you, Sarah. Love you, Bethany. Love you, Grace. Uh, coming home soon. Absolutely. <laughs> For Simon Proven, I am Baxter Colburn. This has been the final edition of Two Up Front. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Up Front. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service, and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.